Welcome to the Flower Lovers Podcast. I'm your host, Ann Stocky, a former flower shop owner, floral designer, experienced gardener, and flower teacher. And I'm really excited to help people like you, the average everyday flower lover, get really good at flowers. Whether you're a longtime flower person looking for inspiration or you're just beginning, this is a great place for you. With over 23 years of floral experience, I'll be here each week to teach, share, inspire, and motivate you to create florals for your home efficiently with confidence. Consider this your weekly dose of flower school. Count on me to help you create pieces you love with the right tools, resources, and step-by-step instruction. If you want to know which flowers to buy, when and where to buy them, and how to use them for your next party or event, your next family dinner, or just hanging by the fireplace with your dogs, I'm your gal. Want to get good at flowers? Join me for flower class, starting now on the Flower Lovers Podcast. Okay, guys, one thing before we start. If you are a note taker and you are kind of visual and you learn well with notes, I would suggest that you consider downloading the handy cheat sheet that I created for this episode. You can find it at www.angstocky, that's A-N-G-S-T-O-C-K-E.com forward slash flowers episode one. I'll say that one more time, www.angstocky.com angstocky.com forward slash flowers episode one. Let's begin. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Flower Lovers Podcast. This is episode one, the introduction and the flower report for March of 2023. So if you're already a flower lover or you're in the beginning stages of your flower journey, I welcome you. I'm so happy you're here. This is going to be a fun podcast. This podcast I mean, if any of you know me, this podcast is a long time coming. This podcast is meant for the everyday person who loves flowers, but maybe didn't have anyone around to teach them about how to incorporate flowers into their everyday. Or maybe you're a person who knows a bunch about flowers. You love flowers. You already know. You're like soulful about flowers. You know your favorites. You have places you like to go get your flowers. You feel confident about flowers and using them in your home or office. You may even give them routinely as gifts to people, but you might be looking for some inspiration, some ideas, and you just want to go a little deeper. You might even be looking for a little bit of training. This podcast is definitely for you. As a person with over 23 years of experience in the floral industry, I've got a lot of tips, hints, tricks, and knowledge to share. I started in the industry as a clerk in high school. After college, grad school, and some teaching, I started my own shop in my hometown of Duluth, Minnesota, which I ran for about 17 years until I sold the shop to two of my amazing floral employees. I went to school for coaching then, and I spent some time coaching and consulting with flower shop owners and other business owners, and I began teaching some classes online. I've had a really beautiful experience with the floral industry all different parts of the floral industry. And I know the power of flowers. Flowers are magical. For many of us, flowers connect us to the core of our soul. Just so you know, I'm here with a lot of passion, experience, knowledge, and excitement around flowers and what they can do for you on a daily basis. I want to teach you guys how to be awesome at flowers for your home or office. I want to give you all the hints and tips and tricks and ideas and inspiration throughout the year so flowers get easier and faster for you. 
whether it's spring, summer, winter, or fall. Studies have shown that flowers help people be less tired, less depressed, more creative, and more on that later. Flowers are absolutely a gift from the divine, and I'm pretty sure it's my job to help you guys get really good at having them in your life. I believe everyone should have the opportunity to get really good at flowers. That is the purpose of this podcast, to teach and share, to explain, to excite, and to inspire. You might ask me why I'm doing it. Like, hey, if you have all this experience and you're so good at flowers, then why don't you have a flower shop? Well, I've had a flower shop. It was awesome. It was an amazing experience. And honestly, I feel pretty called to do the things that I do. I felt called to start a flower shop. I felt called to become a coach. The call for me with this flower thing keeps getting louder. It's part of a larger purpose. So if you're here, there's a chance that you've been called here too. So, okay, everybody, this is episode one of the Flower Lovers Podcast. Here's what's going to happen today. I'm first going to tell you who should listen to this podcast and what we're actually going to be doing in the podcast routinely. I'll share with you how the episodes are going to be organized. And after that, we'll dive into the topic of today's episode, which is Flowers for March. So what you'll hear on this podcast, if you tune in all the time, the first week's episode every month is going to be flowers for that month. So in April, the first week will be flowers for April. In May, the first week will be flowers for May. The first week of every month will help you plan for what's available and what's likely not available. The first week's episode ideally will inspire you to think about what you want to do this month in your space or that month in your space. I'll share ideas of how to use the flowers I teach about as well. I'll tell you why I like them, what they do for your space. I'll tell you how to make them last the longest. I'll discuss different ways to display them. I will have taken some time to see what's available for you as a consumer out in the flower world, from trips to Trader Joe's, to professional florists, to grocery store runs, to Costco and Sam's Club trips. I'll be at garden centers and home depots. And in the summer, I'll be at a farmer's market or a festival. Anywhere there's a flower or plant to be had, I'll let you know what's happening each month out in the world of flowers. I'll let you know what's happening each month out in the world of flowers, and very often I'll cover some plants as well. I'll talk about color palettes that are most inspiring now and why. I'll talk about the latest trends, and I'll always help you come up with easy, clean, and crisp ways of displaying your flowers at home or in your office. You'll hear about my favorite faces, why I like them, what I use each one for, and where to get them. You'll hear about my favorite stores for this and my favorite stores for that. My goal is to teach you guys how to have flowers in your space with ease. I want you to get so good at flowers and be so confident about them that flowers become kind of effortless. I want flowers to be so fun for you that working with them heals you or somehow fills your soul. For me, flowers are literally connected to my soul. And if you feel that way too, this is definitely a place for you. And even if you don't and you just want to start learning about flowers, this is a great spot for you. The second episode of each month is called The Vase of the Week. I cannot even tell you how much better floral design is when you have the right vase. Now, I've been thinking about this vase episode a little bit, and it's either going to be vase of the month or container of the month or favorite vase that serves me all year long or something about vases. I feel like people don't, if you want to be a flower, if you want to be a flower person, you got to have the right vases. It just makes everything so much easier. And sometimes we'll do maybe like five ways to use this one vase so that you guys can kind of hear about how you can be so efficient and effective with just 
one kind of vase, or I might do five vases a month, some sort of vase episode the second week of the month. And for those of you who are really visual, I'm going to send you to Instagram when I have an image to show you, or I might send you to YouTube. And you know, if you listen to it once here and then you jump on YouTube, repetition is going to help anchor it into your memory. Hearing it and seeing it addressed two different ways in two different learning types or learning styles is really helpful for lots of people. You might think, oh my gosh, Anne, she's kind of taking a detour. What about learning styles? What are you talking about? But learning styles are key to know because you guys need to know how do you learn best? Is it visually, auditorily, both? Maybe kinesthetically, which means actually like doing it hands-on. Start learning your preferred learning method if you don't already know it. This will help you guys decide which method of getting this information is best for you. Do you need to take a class with me? Do you need to just see it on YouTube? Do you just need to hear it in the podcast? It depends about your learning style. It depends on your learning style. If you guys don't already know, before I opened a flower shop, I was a high school teacher. I love teaching and all things learning. So you might hear me get really excited about teaching stuff sometimes, like learning styles. It's powerful for you guys to know your learning style. Okay, back to the mighty vase. I'm a big fan of having the right vase for the right flowers. For example, a vase with a small mouth. This is like one of my biggest tips, hints for everybody. I mean, just like listen now. This is actually a tip. A vase with a small mouth and often no taller than five inches is perfect for so many things. Little tiny vases with tiny mouths or small vases that you can kind of hold in your hand. These are vases that require very little in terms of product, but they're really good at displaying the most beautiful blooms and colors and textures for you to see. Usually they're a little bit lower, like they sit lower for you. So you always are seeing the top of the flowers. Join me here on the podcast for a discussion about those tiny vases, the flowers and greens that I'd put in it, where I would get them, why I chose them, and where in my home or office I would put them and why. Not only will I talk about the tiny vase, but I'll talk about all the rest of the vases as well, from colored glass to metal to round to low and grounded to tall and airy. If you are just beginning your flower journey, let's get you started with some good vases that you love. I suggest you find just a couple to start, ones that you love that are good quality. And when you look at them, I want you to think, wow, I just love that vase. I just love that little container. Or wow, I love the color of that vase or the shape of that vase. Or wow, I love that vase even without flowers in it. You can find vases at gift shops, online. You can find them on Amazon, of course, but I like it when you find a vase that you can touch, see, and hold before you buy it because I'm kind of a shopper and I'm pretty intentional about everything that goes into my home. If you just need to start, online is great. One of my favorite vases is from Target years ago, a clear, low, small, heavy vase. It's from Hearth and Hand by Joanna Gaines. It never gets old. And some of my other favorites are from West Elm. I also just got some basic vases from Target last week, and they were so affordable. I will, pro I probably should put a link to them in the show notes. I found some super cute small heavy vases at Joanne Fabrics recently. It's shocking where you'll find vases, and wow, they were so inexpensive. Joanne Fabrics, way to go. I also will find really cute flower or vases at flower shops. Look around, find some vases that feel good to you guys. At the least, you'll learn about one vase a week 
I'm sorry, one vase a month, that might work well for you. Okay, so that's the week two. Week two is about vases. The vase of the week episode is currently what I'm calling it, and that will probably morph into something more eloquent. You guys, weeks three and four, what are you going to hear on the podcast? I'm just going to leave that open to whatever I feel inspired to teach about. Most often, the season will dictate that, or what's available at the store will probably dictate that. If it's April, we'll be talking about bulbs and spring flowers. If it's July, maybe garden flowers. If it's September or October, we'll talk about twigs and berries and fruits and Cinderella pumpkins and mums and all the things you can use for your entryway. If it's November, I'm pretty sure we'll be talking about November centerpiece ideas and maybe outdoor arrangements like porch pots, wreaths, and swags. And trays, don't even get me started on trays. I am a big fan of trays. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to want to you're going to want to go to YouTube and watch some of the tray videos. If you end up becoming an avid listener of the Flower Lovers podcast, you'll definitely get your fill on how to create gorgeous trays for your home. And honestly, I would love to hear from you guys. What do you want to know? What do you need to be taught? What do you want to learn? And how can I be helpful to you, the everyday flower lover? What is interesting to you now? What are you curious about? And then what do you want to dive deeper into? Which classes would you like me to create for you? Now, some of you will appreciate this podcast style of sharing information because you are easily able to visualize things in your mind and you like digesting information through podcasts. Others of you might not be able to visualize this as easily, although I will try to create really good pictures with the words I use. Additionally, I might send you to a social media site. Take a look at Instagram, where I'll do a lot of repeating, and at some point, I will have a YouTube channel up. If you really want to learn about flowers and get really good at having them in your home or at your office or using them as gifts for others, you can do multiple things. You can look at the Instagram videos and pictures. You can go to the show notes, where I'll probably have notes and possibly cheat sheets and checklists or episode guides. And if you want to dive even deeper, I'll offer online classes from time to time. So you guys, that's the plan. Week one, I'm going to tell you what flowers are available at that time. Week two, some sort of a vase episode. Week three and four, seasonally directed. Flowers, flower trends, flower discussion, flower palettes, vases, tools, design styles, and anything that's helpful for you guys, the home consumer of flowers. And one note, this podcast is truly for the flower lover. You need not have any experience with flowers. You don't have to be a florist. This is not for industry professionals at all. I'm going to talk through everything. One thing my previous students have mentioned as being so helpful is the way I teach flowers, which is talking through what's actually happening in my head as I design or make flower decisions. This podcast will benefit you if you want to learn more about flowers and how to have them in your home. This podcast, again, it's not designed for florists or floral professionals, although newer flower shop employees may benefit from the learning offered here. I have employed over 200 employees during my time as a flower shop owner and have experienced teaching all different kinds of people. Everyone who wants to be here is invited to learn and be inspired. Should you wish to ask for a specific topic to be addressed, please email me at hello at andstocky.com. I read all of my own emails and will fully consider your suggestions and requests. Okay, here we go. Flowers for March. This is the beginning of like the real episode. And to set the stage for March flowers, I want to ask you a couple things first. 
The first thing, number one, consider taking a look at what's been happening at your house for the last month. Are you coming out of a time where it's been really busy and chaotic and you're looking for calm and quiet flowers? Or are you ready for celebration, fun, excitement, maybe spring? What's happening this next month? Are there holidays or birthdays or events or family dinners that you're celebrating? Maybe consider, will you be working from home a bunch or will you be out more? How often are you going to see and enjoy the flowers you're about to get? And then the number two thing I want you to consider, and this is a big one, is your house clean and neat? How does your house feel? If you get flowers or a plant, where will they go? By now, I have several spots in the house where I know flowers create a really good look. Do you have some good flower spots that you've already figured out that just work? Or is that something you still want to do? For us, the dining room table works really well. The sideboard is always an option. The mantle is an option for a bloom or two. The bathroom shelf next to some art that we have up is a great option. I have a kitchen desk that I love, and the corner of that is a great spot for flowers. We have a windowsill or tool for something small. I have my desk in the lower level, which loves to have flowers on it, and a couple spots in our bedroom. Would I fill all these spaces with flowers at the same time? I would not. I absolutely would not. That would be chaotic to me. Woo. I usually choose one space to create for with one space as a second spot for kind of the tiny extra flowers, one or two blooms. It's nice to pay attention to one or two spaces. If there are flowers everywhere, it can kind of look like a circus and it can get messy. Of course, uh, I think it depends on your home too and what's happening at your home. Our home needs one main flower show with a little extra in another room if needed. Okay, the third thing I want you guys to consider, flowers create a feeling in your space. Different types of flowers create different types of feelings. So what kind of feeling do you want to create in the space? The flowers you use to create a calm and soft feeling might not be the same flowers you use to send to the hospital to cheer someone up. It depends what makes you feel calm, of course, but at the least, consider how you want the flowers to make you feel. When you go to the store, ask yourself if the flowers you're looking at or the plant you're looking at makes you feel the way you want to feel in your home this next month. Do you want to feel optimistic or artistic? Are you ready for spring? Are you hosting girls' night? Are you ready to celebrate? Or would you just like peace and quiet? At our house, if it's a birthday month, maybe we'll have color. If it's been busy and chaotic and we need some peace, we will likely use white and green flowers. If it's spring, we've got pinks, maybe periwinkles, and apple greens and whites and peaches. We're pretty seasonal here, which if you end up becoming a listener, you will hear all about what that means. So a great first step for you is to get really clear around what you want each month's flower to do for you. So, okay, those are three things for you guys to consider before you even really get to the store. Number one, what's happening at your house this month? Number two, is the space you will put your flowers in neat and clean? Number three, how do you want the flowers to make you feel? And a helpful hint for you, if you have a cleaning person that helps you, a great time to get flowers is right after they finish or the morning after. It's like putting frosting on a really good cake. Put a note in your calendar to get flowers after your help is done. So March. Okay, you guys. At our house, when March arrives, I'm coming off two months of already having had calm flowers in my space. 
I kind of like the calm and peaceful flowers from about December 26th, day after Christmas, to February 28th. I use white hyacinth, white hydrangea, green hydrangea, moss, green trick, green roses, white tulips, white ranunculus, and any other white or green fluffy, calm, joyful flower I can find. And I'm so serious about finding the right flowers for this period of time that I will drive to multiple places, including, but not limited to, Minneapolis, which is like two and a half hours away. You might be thinking, wow, this lady is real intentional about the flowers. I was thinking I might just grab some flowers at the grocery store. Yep, you guys have a real flower lady on your hands here. So I do ask that you consider being intentional about your space. The way your space feels can really dictate how you feel. Let's get good at making your space feel great. Okay, gang, let's talk about the actual flowers that are out there right now. First, I'm going to talk about 10 fresh cut items that I like, and then five plants or items planted in dirt. So these are 15 items that I either have or would buy right now. Um, Number one, let's start. Number one, tulips. Every spring, there's a month where tulips are the centerpiece on our table. I like tulips for many reasons, but mostly they say spring. They're often in really great colors, and I love the green of the stems. They really say spring. There, of course, are many different types of tulips. If you don't know a lot about them, there's there's peony tulips, double tulips. There's They call them premium cut tulips. Some of them have frizzy edges, and some of them have kind of unique. Some of them are called parrot tulips. Those have really unique kind of... Um, very textural and multi multicolored leaves or petals, I should say. But the grocery stores often have just the basic fresh cut tulips in bunches of eight or 10. So that's often what you're left with unless you want to go and get them at a specialty flower shop or a flower shop. You can ask that the flower shop order you special tulips, or you can ask just to look and see if they have parrot tulips or fancier tulips or premium cut tulips. But if you're just at the grocery store, you're probably going to get some simple, plain tulips. If you're ever able to get peony style tulips with um, the extra petals, they have lots of petals. Oh, please try those. At least try them once. Some tulips have striations and texture. They're referred to as pear tulips. And there's also tulips with sharp looking tips or frizzy edges. I said that once, but I just repeated it. Sharp looking tips or frizzy edges. They're just fun. If you have a chance to purchase the premium cuts, give it a go. You gotta learn what you like. You'll most likely always have the opportunity to purchase the plain consumer tulips, but if you have an opportunity to get the kind of fun ones, try it out. You might also find bicolor tulips, so they're usually striped. Find your faves and enjoy them. Remember, tulips last four to six days, some longer depending upon where you put them. But assume four to six days and anything else is a bonus. If you put them in a warm place and they get sun, they will move through their process even faster and they won't last a long time. If you want to keep your tulips closed as long as possible, maybe you bought them on a Monday and you want them to be open on Friday, keep them cold and in the dark. We at the flower shop keep would keep them at 38 or 39 degrees. I mean, pretty chilly. When you want them to open, get them warm with warmer water, fresh cuts on their stems, and maybe a little sun. Tulips come fresh cut in water, and they also come as bulbs in soil. That is called a bulb garden style tulip, a tulip bulb. Sometimes they're mixed with daffodils, 
hyacinth bulbs, crocus bulbs, these potted bulb combinations are called bulb gardens. So it's important to make the distinction that you can get tulips coming and growing out of a bulb, which might be in dirt, it might be in water, but you most often are going to see tulips fresh cut in a bunch of eight or 10. If you want to get a quick tutorial, actually, on fresh cut tulips, you can grab my free tulip inspiration class at uh, anstocky.com forward slash tulip training. I teach you how to use tulips easily six different ways. It's fun. It's free. It's just a little educational class that I put together that will get you thinking about having tulips on your table or at your desk. I tell you about certain vases I really like for tulips. Some of you may have seen my tulip training before if you've been in another class or an online training of mine. But remember, repetition is the key to learning, so consider watching it again. Even I am re-inspired when I re-watch a training. It's free and easy, so enjoy. More information on that tulip training in this episode's show notes. Show notes are details about the episode with links to products I've mentioned or other companies that I've mentioned and some of the highlights of the episode. Okay, guys, number two, daffodils. You guys, you you gotta get daffodils. I mean, sometime this spring, I mean, they're available right now. So I highly recommend daffodils now, but you gotta get them. They're super cheap. They're easy. They're fun to watch. They bloom fast. They really have a kind of a lovely fragrance that's not too overpowering. You'll often find them in a low flat box at Trader Joe's. And if you go to a grocery store, they'll probably be in a bucket. They will not look attractive. Well, if they're in a bucket of water and they've bloomed out, they probably will look attractive. But when you want, hello, this is a big hint. When you want to buy them is when you can get them out of a box and they kind of look just not beautiful. They kind of look sad, but just wait to see what happens. They're only at Trader Joe's last week. They were just $2 a bunch. I recently bought four bunches and showed them in six different vases. You should be able to see that video on Instagram sometime this month. Daffodils are only available for a limited time, so you got to grab them when you see them. Uh, And a note on daffodils, hint, tip, alert, everyone listen, keep them together. If you mix other flowers in with them, the vase life of the other flowers is often diminished. Daffodils are beautiful, but they tend not to play well with others. So just keep them in their own vase. I mean, I could dive deeper on that and really go into it, but... um, I'll just keep it at that for now. Just keep your daffodils in their own base. Um, they really, they look so cute together. Again, that you'll be able to see actually already on Instagram at Ange the Flower Teacher. There are some just images of the daffodils that I did. So take a look. Uh, number three, ranunculus. Always at the top of my list and one of my top five flowers of all time, ranunculus. It's just kind of starting to make an appearance in March. So if you can find them in March, oh, ranunculus all day. Get some ranunculus. Try them out. They're the most darling little flower you can find. They come in pinks, whites, reds, oranges, yellows, greens, burgundies, whites. Whites with burgundy tips, green and light pink with frilly scalloped edges. Some varieties you can find at some grocery stores and Trader Joe's. With more specialty varieties, are usually you'll find those at a floral professional's studio or flower shop. Depending on how much work you want to put in as like a gardener, if you're a gardener, they can be grown in zones three and four, 
They are tubers, which I believe must be dug up and put in bags to overwinter in a cool place, but not a freezing place. So I mention this because of all the flowers I talk about, people want to know a bunch about ranunculus. I mean, they want to grow ranunculus. They have so many questions about this cute little flower. And then, of course, one thing they want to know is if these can be grown in our gardens here in Minnesota. I'll share that in my quest to grow ranunculus in my zone 3-4 garden, 3-4, I planted Trolleus instead because it looks kind of like ranunculus. It's Trolleus is also known as globe flower. And it has generated so many conversations. People look at it and they're like, is that ranunculus? They love it. I wish I had um, more Trolleus actually, but okay, that's like a whole another topic for the gardeners listening. Um, and and yet you might be like, oh, Trolleus, tell us about that. Trolleus is something you can grow in your garden. Um, it works in a zone three, four garden. I think it would probably work in a zone five or six garden too. Um, and it's a really good cut flower. I, I love it. I'll show it when it blooms later this, this year. So, okay, I hope that wasn't confusing. The flower that's available to consumers is ranunculus, often shortened to ranunc, right? People in the industry call it ranunc. And the flower that looks like it, that grows in gardens in Minnesota and is not sold as a fresh cut is called trolleus. Number four, spray roses. So this, this one's next on the list of flowers. Its availability isn't necessarily only spring. But it looks really good with spring flowers. So spray roses are small roses about the size of the tip of your thumb with three to six blossoms on one stem. Usually they're growing in a branching fashion. I use them a lot. They pair well with large roses and hydrangea or with tulips, ranunculus, and hydrangea. I like them because they offer amazing color, a different feel, and a happiness that's kind of inherent to the style of this flower. It's like all those blooms are hanging out and having a party together. I love the deep pinks, the deep oranges, and some of the deep peaches. Spray roses also come in all shades of yellow, white, pink, orange, peach, red, and some light greens. They're often a really good value because the space that they take up and their shape and the color they add is it's just a good value. It's, it's, you get some really good bang for your buck. So I am a fan of spray roses. They're also helpful for those of you who aren't skilled at design. They fill in spaces that need filling in and they're easy to use. One tip for spray roses, take five minutes to remove any old leaves or guard petals that look like they've seen better days. The outside petals of each small flower are the first line of defense. So occasionally they've kind of Um, they've been damaged and they should be removed. If it doesn't look good, no matter how small, pull it off. Okay, so that's spray roses. Number five. uh, Now, I've seen this a couple times. It's called Green Trick. And you don't see Green Trick a bunch, but if you can get Green Trick, oh, it's just such a good one for spring. Its full name is Green Trick Dianthus. It's actually probably longer than that, but Green Trick Dianthus. It looks like a fuzzy, deep green pom-pom on a green stem. It's actually a type of carnation without petals. The petals actually look like small, grassy, mossy little spikes. They're kind of a fun flower that lasts so long, and they create an earthy, mossy look in an arrangement. They can be as tall as a carnation, 
You can also cut them down, use them low. And a lot of people will use them in arrangements that they want to last a long time. Um, You can put them in foam to kind of create like a low mossy look. They are popular around St. Patrick's Day because they're so green. And I like using them for more earthy, long-lasting arrangements with pods and berries and greens and branches and and grasses and other mosses. Um, Oftentimes those work really well in in our kind of muted home. Anyway, Green Trick Dianthus, I am a big fan of this little workhorse. Okay, you guys, how we doing? Are you with me still? Are you are you making a list of these? Or I'm kind of curious like how it's going listening to this for you. If you have a thought about it, I'd love to know. You can just email me at hello at andstocky.com and tell me, yeah, that was great. Or you needed to do this more. I mean, let me know. I'll, this is kind of an interactive situation. Okay, number six flower is Dianthus. I've seen Dianthus in small quantities at Trader Joe's and at uh, some of the professional floral studios right now. They often include one stem of it in mixed bouquets. I mean, so often. It comes in burgundies, pinks, and whites, and it looks like a cross between that green trick Dianthus and an actual carnation. It's got small mini blooms in a round cluster at the top of a green stem, which would look familiar to you since it's a carnation stem. So that's Dianthus. Uh, number seven. Okay, you might be like, well, wait, talk talk more about Dianthus. Like, why should we get that? You guys, it lasts a long time. It keeps blooming. When one of the blooms blooms, you can kind of pull it off, like if it starts to die, because the blooms that are on the top of it, they're all these mini flowers. Uh, mini flowers, like half the size of the tip of your pinky. So not the full size of the tip of your pinky, but like pinky, but half the size. So there's these little mini flowers in this round cluster. And when one of them blooms and kind of is like, okay, now I'm done. Like clearly it's done. You can pull it off and all around it, there are more blooms coming. So you can get it to look good for such a long time. It's just a super long lasting flower, which is why they include one in so many of um, the mixed bouquets that you could get at wherever you buy your mixed bouquets. Dianthus. I'm a fan. I like the color. I like the richness. I like the texture. It looks unique. You don't see them all the time, but you do see them a bunch. So get to know Dianthus. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. All right. What else is available right now? Oh my gosh, Pussy Willows. They look amazing right now. I found some at Trader Joe's and I got two bunches. I also got two bunches last year. And I'm doing multiple things with these Pussy Willows. First, I've got them... Um, I've got them upstairs in our, they're as part of our centerpiece on our dining room table. They're collected. It's kind of collected with other things. I'm holding them actually to use in a spring outdoor arrangement that I'm planning for the end of March. That's going to be one of the projects I talk about in either the latest March episode or April episodes. But what I want you to know about this is Pussy willows do so many things. I mean, I'm already thinking about how I'm going to use them after they like dry because you can use them fresh. You can use them dried. If you use them fresh, you can bend them. You can make circles out of them. You can use them for wreaths. You can use them for swags. You can create hearts out of them. I mean, you can do so many things with them. Um, when they dry or even if they're not dry, I can still use them. I can use them outdoors. I can use them indoors. If they freeze, it doesn't really matter. If they get really cold, it doesn't matter. You can 
you can use them anywhere. So I'm a big fan of pussy willows when they come out. And you can really only get them at certain times. I mean, it's really, it's kind of hard to get pussy willows like, um, well, there's certain months it's difficult to get them. So I like to buy them as soon as I see them. I, I enjoy them for a month or two at my home in water inside. And then when it's time to create an outdoor spring welcome arrangement for our front porch, I can use them with bulbs and moss and twigs and grasses and bulbs and all the things that you can use for an outdoor spring arrangement. So I kind of collect as the season goes on and plan how I'm going to use some of these things a couple different ways. I guess that's kind of a hint. Okay, number eight, hyacinth. Oh my gosh, hyacinth. What a good friend hyacinth has been to me. Okay, hyacinth fresh cut, meaning it's cut and it's put in water. You can buy it in bunches of five usually, and you can buy it another way. But for now, let's just talk about fresh cut hyacinth. Hyacinth are available right now. They're very fragrant flowers made of many tiny flowers along a kind of a green stem. Usually they are, I don't know, maximum 10 inches tall, 10 to 12 inches tall. They have a really strong fragrance that some people love and some people do not love. If you guys get them and have them in your space, if it gets too strong for anyone, just open the window. Just open the window and air it out a little bit. It's a nice fragrance, but it can get strong. Fresh cut hyacinth come in all the same colors as hyacinth bulbs come in. So pinks, whites, periwinkle, purple, dark purple. There's one called Delft Blue, which is, oh, so pretty. There's peach, which is less available to the consumer, but a little bit more available to the flower shops. You know, whatever color they're offering, you get this solid spring green color in the stems. You get some fragrance. You get a really good spring feeling. You get the color of the blooms on top. They last a long time and they keep blooming and blooming. These are kind of a must every spring for us, and they do very well in a clear glass vase. Okay, that's hyacinth, everybody. Hyacinth, fresh cut hyacinth. We're going to number nine now. I feel like I'm rushing through this a little bit. I don't really know why, but um, number nine. I want to just quickly tell you that blooming branches are available right now. Blooming branches are like forsythia, which I just saw yesterday at Costco. Forsythia is yellow and they have, um, it's like a branch and then a bunch of flowers all the way up and down the branch. So lots and lots of blooms. They can be shorter, like 12 inches. They can be, um, you know, 30, 36, 36 is probably, no, they could be 36 inches tall. It kind of depends. I do know that Forsythia, this yellow blooming branch, It grows in our town as a shrub, and if you have it, it's one of the first things to bloom in the spring. So you'll be going around our city, and you'll see these bright yellow shrubs that are just kind of on fire with these yellow blooms, and they do look a little bit odd because everything else is like, oh, so sad, like dark, and all the snow is melted, and nothing looks very lovely except these very bright yellow shrubs. When I talk about blooming branches, I'll talk about a couple more, but when I talk about them, understand that blooming branches are branches um, usually of a fruiting tree um, that have that bloom first and then the fruit comes later. And if you cut them, even when it's kind of cold out, 
and you bring them inside to the warm, you're kind of mimicking what happens when it gets warmer in the spring and they bloom. So you're forcing the branch because it feels the warmth of the inside to bloom open. When you like, okay, I was at Trader Joe's a couple days ago and they have had for the last, my last two or three visits, they've had, um, uh, apple blossom or they've had, yeah, they've had apple blossom branches or cherry blossom branches and they're really pretty. They're pink or white. Um, they also, I've never seen this at Trader Joe's, but we would always get quince and sometimes you can get this, um, magnolia and you can get dogwood and what else can you get sometimes you don't even know the name of it you don't really know you just know that it's a branch and it's blooming and maybe you don't need to know the name of it you can just enjoy it but if you can find yourself some blooming branches they are good if you just want some a really simple look you want to have a vase and you want to have branches that have blooms along them They're simple. They're not big. They're not usually overpowering. I mean, if you had like 50 stems, that would look amazing. But if you want something really simple and you just want to enjoy, oh, I don't know. Is it an airy look? It's a pretty unique look. Uh, Try it out. See if it works for your space. Blooming branches. Okay. My number 10 is still to be chosen. I put Godisha. But I don't know if it's Godisha. I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of um, stems available right now. Oh, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna say that I want number ten to be green hydrangea. Actually, I have this beautiful deep green hydrangea. I just got it um, three days ago at Trader Joe's, and it's it's lovely. It's quite lovely. Uh, it's three stems, and it was eight ninety nine for a bunch of three stems, so about three bucks a stem. And it takes up a nice amount of space. Um, I just posted a little bit about hydrangea and how you can help the hydrangea reinflate because I know that one of the main issues that people have with hydrangea is they buy it, they put it in water (coughs) with or without freshly cutting it. I mean, some people do, some people just put it in water and see what happens. All of your flowers really do need a fresh cut. I mean, not all, but 99.99999% of the flowers that you purchase need to be freshly cut before you put them in water. And hydrangea actually require another step if you want them to live and last. They would like you to give them a fresh cut and immediately put them in very, very, very hot water. And you can let them sit in the hot water for... I don't know, an hour if you want, two hours if you want. But I mean, we put it in, I put mine in scalding water and then I put it in cold water. Then I submerge it in, I guess, lukewarm to cool water. And that's kind of where it stays. The reason that you do this is it's a long, it's kind of a long story, but just know that um, we'll talk more about hydrangeas as we um, keep going with the podcast, but you got to do a little bit of a treatment of hot water. And then you can put it in cold water. And if you have a hydrangea that deflates, like it's all of a sudden it looks like wilted and dead, it's not. I promise it's not. It's just like a deflated balloon. You can either fill a tray with lukewarm water, give it a fresh cut, and lay it on the top of the water surface, and it will just reinflate. Or you can do the hot water trick. We have a hot water spigot at our house that 
just shoots out the hottest water ever. It's not boiling, but it's pretty dang close. And understand that you're kind of like, really, you want me to put it in that hot of water? Yes, I do. When I had the flower shop, we actually would boil water and we would put it in boiling water for 30 seconds. Like we'd give it a fresh cut. We'd put it in boiling water for 30 seconds and we'd be careful that the steam from the boiling water wouldn't hit the head. So it was kind of like you'd put it sideways in this boiling water. Then we'd submerge it in cold water and then we'd even put paper towels, wet paper towels on the top of it and put it in the cooler. So it was always drinking water because we needed them to last a really long time and they drink through their heads and through their stems. They love water. They are hydrophilic. They are water loving, a water loving flower. So my number 10, my number 10 is green hydrangea and it's a beautiful spring green color. So I love, I think they're called, um, oh, they had some cute little name for them at, um, at Trader Joe's, but just know hydrangea they're they're around a lot. I have gotten every color that you can imagine ever, ever, ever. I have plants in my yard that are hydrangea, but right now beautiful green hydrangea are available in the marketplace. Okay. Um, so that's 10, you guys, that's 10 of them. Should I go over them again really quick? I think what I'll do is send you to the show notes. If you guys want a little cheat sheet or checklist, you can go to the show notes, which, um, is on my website at angstocky.com. I should say the show notes are on my website at angstocky.com. That's A-N-G-S-T-O-C-K-E.com. So the flowers, they're the flowering plants that are available right now in, I'll just say in the marketplace. Oh my gosh, they are amazing right now. Um, <clears throat> you'll see a lot of mini calla lily plants. That's going to be my number one plant to talk about. They are all over right now. Fancy grocery stores have them. Regular grocery stores have them. Trader Joe's has them. I love the speckled leaves on these plants, and I love the blooms. They're clean and crisp and colorful with a sleek, unique shape. They kind of look like trumpet horns with one side a little bit longer than the other, and they kind of have this little curled tip. They're graceful. They last a while. The blooms can actually be cut from these plants if you're looking for a fresh cut stem that adds some luxury and kind of an upscale look to your fresh arrangements. So sometimes I'll cut the blooms out and put them in fresh arrangements. I especially love pink mini callas with pink roses, green hydrangea, whiter pink peonies, pink ranunculus, and like a deep pink spray rose. I like that combination for a spring look. Maybe add a little seeded eucalyptus to that or some sort of eucalyptus to that. Eucalyptus is kind of a dusky green greenery. One of my favorite floral combinations are those guys together. One of my favorites. Most likely, though, you'll purchase the plant and the flowers will bring you joy for a month or more. And then you'll be left with kind of the green part of the plant, right? The blossoms or the blooms last, mm, I don't know, I want to say six weeks. The general question most ask is, will they rebloom? Can I get them to rebloom? If you can get them to last until the next spring, possibly, they are set with a specific number of blooms and they won't continually reflower in your home or office over the year. So if you're comfortable with just the greenery, just keep growing that. You would need to love them and work your plant magic to get a rebloom a year out. So you certainly can do that. I think that's Googleable. 
I rarely see people have this much patience, though. If you want to know more about how to love up your calorie plan and get more out of it than just one spring indoor season, you can visit thespruce.com. I really like thespruce.com for plant information. They do a great job. If you're on a run right now or at kid pickup or somewhere you can't write things down, just remember you can always go to the show notes to get the links. Okay, so the next one I want to talk about, number two plant that's available right now, is hellebore. Oh my gosh, it's so awesome. This is a plant also called Lenten Rose, and it comes in green, it comes in white, it comes in pinks and dusky pinks, it comes in burgundy, it comes in really dark blackish burgundy, and oh, I love the little hellebore. So it's a green, a dark green leaf with blossoms that last so long. It's crazy how long these blossoms last. Um, I purchased one of these from Trader Joe's this year. I purchased one last year, probably the exact same plant. And I had it for a long time. I'm pretty sure I even tried to put it in my garden and I don't know what happened with it. Um, Hellebore is kind of a charming blossom. So the blossom has five petals, I think, five petals on it. And it's a hardy, it's very hardy. So as time goes on, it's almost like the flower turns into a leaf. And I've gotten, they work really, they, they work really hard for us, right? This plant, it's a really good worker. When I say it's a good worker, it means it lasts for a long time. I can use it in corsages and boutonnieres. I can use it in fresh arrangements. There are tons of blossoms it was worth every dollar I spent on it, which was hardly, I mean, I feel like it was $9 or something like that, maybe $11.99. It was amazing. I'm like, this is like the deal of the century. So um, you can do so many things with this blooming plant, including cutting some of the stems off and using them in fresh arrangements, which is something I'm toying with doing for some of the um, videos I want to make upstairs. Okay, hellebore, you guys, go look at it. It's amazing. Now, I don't usually see hellebore at the, the general grocery store. I see them at a little bit more upscale grocery stores and Trader Joe's. Okay, guys, next one. Let's see what's the next one we're going to talk about. So we've got hellebore, we've got mini calla plants, hyacinth bulbs, and the related spring bulb garden. That's number three. Hyacinth bulbs and spring bulbs are usually planted in a plastic pot. Usually one, two, three, four, or five bulbs, sometimes more if they're bigger, are planted in a plastic pot. They might look like a bulb, kind of like this round brown bulb sticking out of the soil with just a little tuft of a green stem, or they might have a flower on them. Hyacinth are made of many tiny flowers along the top part of a green stem. They have a strong fragrance that I love. Again, it's the same as the fresh cut hyacinth. If it gets too strong, just open the window. Why do I why am I talking all about these? How come how come these are mentioned twice? It's because they last a long time. I can watch them grow. The fragrance in the air, in addition to whatever color they're offering, gives you this solid spring green feeling. They're just a must for us every spring. At least once I get hyacinth bulbs. The one thing everyone asks about is if these bulbs can be planted outside after they bloom. After they bloom, if you replanted them outside, they're not going to bloom again this year. They might next year, 
but most people suggest putting them in paper bags and letting them sit in the garage for a bit until maybe like September and plant them then. You can certainly give it a try. They'll hang out underground from September until spring when it's warm enough. They may bloom. If you want to try planting hyacinth for real, I suggest getting a bulb catalog and ordering according to their fall planting schedule for your zone. If you don't know what zone means, welcome, because we're going to talk about zones a lot here. It's just a way the gardening world describes your location for growing. I'm in zone three slash four, and I can occasionally grow items meant for zone five. It's helpful to know your zone, especially if you want to be a gardener, if you want to plant any items outside. Okay, so that's hyacinth bulbs. And then here's what's related. Spring bulb gardens. Spring bulb gardens are multiple different types of spring bulbs that are all planted in one pot. So there's tulip bulbs, crocus bulbs, grape hyacinth bulbs, which is like a small mini, mini version of hyacinth, mini daffodils or regular sized daffodils, and occasionally snowdrops. I like to buy spring bulb gardens when they are just bulbs for the longest lasting experience. You get to watch them go from beginning to end, but if you're buying for an older relative who's home a bunch or is convalescing or something like that, and you want it to be kind of celebratory now, you can get one that's sort of half bloomed and then let them watch the blooms come up over time because each day they really see a difference. It's one of the best things to buy for somebody who's older and is moving around less. Now, you might be like, ooh, but I'm having a spring party now, so what should I do? What I would say is if the party's now and you need color in spring now, look for one that's bloomed. Sometimes at the grocery store, they're really, really bloomed, and sometimes they've just gotten there. It kind of depends when you get to wherever you're buying your flowers. It won't last long, but it will look lovely for your spring party or event. Spring bulb gardens are a welcome addition to the Minnesota home where everyone is waiting for spring to actually arrive. That is just how it is in Minnesota. Okay, so, so far, you guys, I've talked about mini callas, mini calla plants, hellebore plants or helleborus, sometimes is how they say it, hyacinth bulbs planted in dirt or soil, and then spring bulb gardens. And last, I'm just going to talk about moth orchids. There's tons of them out there right now. They're also known as phalaenopsis orchids, and they come in three basic sizes, really, really small, like shorter than 10 inches, medium, 18 inches, and then the taller ones, 24 to 32. Those are kind of standard. You see those at the grocery store. We will definitely do like a full episode on orchids, but just know right now they're available. They are a solid for us. I probably have two or three a year and a lot of people think they're difficult, but my gosh, they are such simple plants to have you can actually get them to bloom for years. I especially love when these orchids that are so commonly found at grocery stores, I, I love when people kind of dress them up. And dressed to me as a floral person means they're potted in a gorgeous pot. The stakes that are kind of clipped on with the hair clips, they've been replaced with curly willow and some maybe some moss. Um, or maybe the stakes have been replaced with a beautiful birch branch or some other kind of decorative yet natural staking system. And then I love when people put moss in the bottom. 
I like to use reindeer moss with orchids, usually like a lime green or an apple green. And you've probably seen how the orchid stems or spikes, as they are called, are attached to curly willow or some kind of natural stake with like a little piece of moss. If, if you've ever seen these fancy ones, it's easy to do, but not everybody takes the time to do it. Oftentimes I'll use like a little piece of cloth wrapped wire to attach uh, like curly willow or birch branch or whatever twigs you like to the orchid spikes um, just so that you can't see the actual like connection piece. Again, very often the stakes that they come with are attached with these little tiny mini hair clips, which I just is uh, distracting to me. It's just very, I look at the hair clips and it just, it ruins everything. <laughs> so anyway, I usually switch them up if I have them. One of my, um, one of my favorite looks of Phalaenopsis orchids is when there are three orchid plants in one big bowl filled with moss and maybe some other plants even. It can be a very long-lasting centerpiece with lots of interest, beautiful lines, gorgeous tropical blossoms, all of which equals kind of a dramatic arrangement, especially if you've used curly willow. Okay, you guys, moth orchids, also known as Phalaenopsis orchids. Okay, so that's it. That's 15 things that are available right now out in the marketplace. And that kind of concludes episode one, the Flower Lovers podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed learning or being reminded of what might be available now at your local market or florist. I hope you felt inspired. I'm curious if you found it helpful for me to talk through how I decide which flowers I need at my house for March. I'm curious what kind of flowers you guys are going to get at your house for March. And you guys, I made something for you. I, I thought you might need a little cheat sheet for today's episode. So if you want to get the listing of everything I just talked about and the names of all the links, you can find this downloadable cheat sheet with all the flower names and a couple hints by each one, the plant names and a couple hints by each, a couple hints by each one, and then the links at www.angestocky.com forward slash flowers episode one. And that's the number one. www.angestocky.com forward slash flowers episode one. That's it. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the first episode of the podcast. We hope to see you again next week. If this was a helpful episode, I would love for you to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts if you have a minute. And just know that episode two is on the way. I'm going to talk about my five favorite vases for your March flowers. And I'm excited, especially about the cutest container I just got from Michael's online. I saw it online and I had to have it. It is the cutest. It's just perfect for my house. So if you want to hear about that, join me in episode two, where I'm going to tell you how I'm going to fill it and how I'll incorporate it into our Easter table. See you there, friends.